0: You're listening to Two Smart Assets with Chris Thompson and Danny Nichols. This is your source for passive investing in real estate syndications. It's time for us to gain knowledge and take action. So let's go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. This is the Two Smart Assets Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am your host, Danny Nichols, here once again with my co-host, Chris Thompson.
1: (laughs) What's going on, Danny? It's good to see you, bud.
0: Good to see you too. Man, fire show this week. Had a great guest. Tell the listeners who we talked to today.
1: Uh, You're right. It was pretty good. Uh, Today, we brought in Kaylee McMahon. Kaylee is an active syndicator and a full-time real estate professional. Uh, She's purchased over $68.2 million in multifamily real estate as a general partner and a principal. Kaylee is also the host of the number one leading ladies podcast where she interviews kick-ass women who are disrupting their industries. Currently, she's focused on changing the face of multifamily by bringing more women into the light as powerhouse operators, key principals, and commercial brokers. So today, we spoke with Kaylee about her experiences during 2020 and how that played out for her and what she expects to get from 2021. Uh, We also spoke about her incredible goal of changing the face of multifamily by teaching and creating a billion more women investors. It's awesome.
0: It is awesome. You know, and this, this show is for everybody, uh, men and women, but I got to say for all our later listeners out there, pay attention to this one because there's a lot of good stuff in there. And you know, before we jump into today's episode, we want to all listeners to know that we truly appreciate you tuning in. If you'd like to show some love and haven't done so already, please make sure to subscribe to the show and leave us a rating and written review really helps us attract more guests, grow the podcast, and ultimately provide better information for everyone listening. Also, if you're a passive real estate investor or looking to learn more about passive investing, then check out our website at twosmartassets.com. There you can find our passive investing guide and apartment syndication sample deal that will have you primed or ready for when real estate opportunities come your way. Also, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. We're posting some great content on there, so make sure to follow us and start connecting. All right, now that's out of the way, let's jump into today's episode with Kaylee McMahon. Kaylee, it's great to see you. Welcome to the show.
2: Hey, thanks for having me, gentlemen.
0: Absolutely. You know, We're excited to have this conversation with you today, but looking forward to Forward to it for a while. So, uh, you know, in your bio, we touched uh, on the fact that you're a real estate professional. You know, on top of being an active multifamily syndicator, you have considerable experience in you know the residential real estate side. So, you're all in on real estate. We know you're the apartment queen. So, you could touch on a little bit of that if you want. But, really, want to see what is your current focus today?
2: Getting deal flow working.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. And how
2: how launching ahead. that company this year as well?
0: Okay. Okay. Let's uh, let's talk about uh, let's talk about that. 2020 deal flow. What does that look like in terms of, you know, 2020 has been kind of a crazy year. Uh, what did that look like in terms of deal flow for you?
2: It looked like a lot of bad deals. Um, are not bad deals, just they weren't deals. They're were just stuff people selling apartments. Um, and people kind of freaked out a little bit during March, April. And that's kind of when I dove in and said, give me your stuff because mm-hmm. everyone else is freaking out. Um, if you don't... If, if something happens with the, like, there's always a creative solution to everything. Like if the bank, you know, can't do the funds or whatever, then you do a master lease and you take over the property, you figure it out. I mean, there's a million ways to do stuff. So last year it was just kind of, I was, I didn't have the traction I needed before to be handed what I needed to be. So that's, uh, that was a lesson. And then I got into an accelerator last year to learn exactly what that meant is creating quantifiable traction. So. Um, now I'm not a hundred percent there, but at least, you know, I can tell you, you know, how much I've raised, how many investors we have, um, uh, what our average click rate is on our website every month. What, I mean, like all the things that someone that would maybe be a venture capitalist or someone that would be an angel or even a regular investor would care about. So that was a lesson. And then towards the end of 2020, we, uh, purchased an apartment in Fort Worth and, um, it was funny because I um, took on two newer partners. Uh, one one is part of our company internally. And then the other one, um, she had a 1031 exchange out of Seattle that she moved into the deal. Um, and both of them you know, thought that the, the deal was a total shit show. And I was like, no, I've been through way worse. I mean, no way. It was just kind of a little frustrating that for the whole year, I don't know, maybe putting in one to three LOIs a week that we only closed on one. Uh, we got close on three. Uh, that were that were good, you know, actual deals. Um, but everybody just pays a million, two million more for them, and it just—I can't do that. You know, I know what I can do if I buy it at the right price, but if I don't, I would have no promises with what happens with the market.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great point. You know, you don't want—you definitely don't want to overpay for an asset. That's not good for anybody in in the deal, really. Uh, and you know, and you said at the end of uh, 2020, you got a you got a deal, and you got that under contract. What do you think in terms of 2020, 2021? You know, moving forward for the rest of the year. Uh, what does that look like for deal flow for you? Um, what, what is your focus? I mean, I know you said you're in DFW. We know that. Are you focused on DFW? Do you think there should be more deal flow, less deal flow, uh, more overpriced assets? What does that look like for you?
2: Mm, kind of just depends on what I get in my inbox during the week. You know what I mean? So it will be focused on you know, traction. So like I've got it pulled up right here. It's a spreadsheet that we're using to, um, to look at. And we look at this every week. So looking at kind of where we're at with our traction goals. So right now, 100 uh, percent, the traction goal is like it was getting so many investors, it was get so many podcasts, it was, write so many articles. It was all these kind of things that you know help with getting attention, if you will, which, you know, I needed in a way. But at the same time, when we really got down to what is the sticky wheel in what we're doing, it was 100 percent acquisition. So that's what we were, we're focused on, and I'm pulling it up right now we have five OKRs or uh, key results, uh, objectives and key results. So one is creating 600 new market uh, door leads. Um, So just leads from the top 10 brokers in the country, uh, or Southeast really, creating 400 new door leads uh, through off market deals with brokers, creating 200 door leads um, through the big guys that are doing 300 to 500 million. So basically grabbing their trash. Company objective uh, four is um, 100 new doors, lead, lead doors uh, through contractors. Um, so there's five to seven or three to seven contractors that see all the, all the deals and they know they've got one in Houston. He's going gangbusters right now, which is awesome. And then the last one is uh, from banks that only do four to 18 million in loans um, to, to hit those guys up because typically off the top of their head, they'll know who is um, you know, 90 days out, et cetera. So, um, those are our, 100%, it's just acquisitions is all we're focused on. And so, as far as what's coming, what areas that I'm focused on, et cetera, um, it's really just about the deal, tell you the truth. Like, I mean, if I can buy it at the right price and it's a value add that's key for me, um, I'm just sticking in the space where I've, I've done it before and I know it works. And I don't really, especially right now, feel comfortable stepping outside that box. And so, it's been very hard to find something that meets that criteria because I think everybody else is going for the same stuff. So yeah. So one, one deal in a year. Mm. Uh, hopefully this year we'll be getting a lot more because when I, I mean, I toured three deals last week alone, um, up here. And, um, you know, like I said, there's that guy looking in Houston. I, what I'm hearing from the brokers is that they're like, Oh, you're really active. And so when you start hearing that, it's like, yes, I am Throw me, some, throw me, throw me some bacon, you know?
0: Absolutely. I think that's great. And you know, the fact that. It sounds like you've really defined your focus and you know you've laid out the the plan for that going forward. And and that's so big in trying to, you know, succeed in anything really, you know, not just real estate investing or anything like that. But, you know, and you mentioned traction. Is that the book Traction by Gina Wickman? Is that where you get that from?
2: Um, not really, but I guess, yeah. I mean, I, I have read it. The US model, traction, all that stuff. I mean, it, it applies. Um, or a, what's the the like lean method? That's more right. for startup stuff for my, my tech company. But you know, it's not necessarily from the book, but I did a, like I said, accelerator. And so it was a traction-based accelerator where everything that we did every week, and I don't have the tablet in front of me where I break down each lesson, whether it was legal that we're doing or whether it was all the different pieces of, of a, a business, like from each part of a business, where is the traction coming from, and how can you put numbers behind it to be able to show other people, like I said, investors, um, that we're actually doing something, not just saying that we are.
0: Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. I kind of want to shift a little bit yeah. here. Uh, um, I know that um, you know, like I said, 2020 has been kind of crazy. Uh, we talked to a lot of newer investors, passive investors, and uh, one of the the questions that that we that we get uh, specifically is like, you know, what has been the performance of you know, multifamily over the last, say, 12 months, you know, and obviously that's, that's market specific. That's deal specific. It's going to be different for every sponsor. That, that response is going to be different. Um, obviously you've been in this game for a while, held a number of assets, uh, just kind of want to hear a little bit about your experience over, you know, the difficult times of 2020. Did you face any challenges? Did you have to overcome any of those things? Um, what would you tell a passive investor who basically brought up that
2: concern to you? The rough shit's not here yet. There you go. So, so what's your
0: opinion on that?
2: If you have lots of reserves and if you bought the deal right, and if you uh, didn't choose to, um, what is the word? Um, defer your loan. What is the, the thing that yeah, they were doing?
0: The forbearance and all that.
2: Forbearance. If you chose not to kick the can down the road, and you have plenty of reserves. Uh, and again, if you bought it at the right price, um, you'll be okay. Um, that's really what it breaks down to. And then the other flip of the coin is really like, who is your sponsorship team? Um, do they Do they have experience going through hard times uh, slash do they at least have access to people, you know, they can ask questions to that have gone like their mentors, you know, have they gone through, um, you know, the 08 of the world. So it depends on like you said, a variety of factors. But um, I'm noticing that a lot, I'll just say it right now a lot of loans through Arbor are not doing well. I've seen uh, five in um, Tampa, uh, Phoenix, Dallas, three in Houston, actually, that um, that they're in pre foreclosure. Um, there's another deal I just got uh word on last week that's also in Houston another one that's pre foreclosure um and again it's just because of people buying stuff i think over leveraged in the first place and then because what i was seeing last year when i kept uh, or not last yes last year sorry during the lockdown i spent a lot of time you know leaning on who we already had and i was part of a crew which is uh, commercial real estate women and so i couldn't go network anymore but we have a forum that we can publish to all like even in england we have women that you know wow. uh, do commercial real estate and know people here whatever you know about hooking up with bankers that originate and service their debt aka special servicers and working on creating relationships with them and I kept bugging a couple of them like okay well, who do you got that's no pay slow pay you know 60 days out whatever and they would of course say oh you know nobody there's forbearance and and I'm like okay well if you use your critical thinking hat the people that are over leveraged are going to be those people so you might as well try to offer to bail them out now but um, what would happen is they would show me, they showed me like two in that situation that were like that, where it was like 90, 95% leverage. Um, and essentially, because there's no cash flow, I'm like, I have to have this price. They want a market price for it. I was like, you have to decrease the price for there to be any kind of cash flow for us, you know, once we get into the deal and not just cash flow, but any kind of appreciation, et cetera. So, um, but anyway, they weren't ready to take those price haircuts yet. So I said, okay, well, these will be the deals in six months that I'll need to be calling you back. Uh, yeah, like I said, stuff's about to happen, so um, it's a really good time to sell right now.
0: Right, right. So another hurdle we hear from newer passive investors are, is like the potential repercussions of the eviction moratoriums. Um, you know, have you been approached with this question from passive investors, and if so, what's your response to that?
2: No, um, they don't stay up like I do this full time, right? They don't do this full time, so I'm the one that you know has uh, certain reports from Texas Real Estate Science, Texas A and uh, Real Estate Center, um, the Red Zone from um, NMHC, from um, IMN, from like a lot of the Yardi matrix. I mean, they're all integrated kind of, but that's where you kind of get your data, like how are nationally rent collections going and things. And when I start seeing, obviously we're proactive. We were over the lockdown. We were proactive on our properties, talking to the local judge. We were proactive with asking for people to take part in uh, payment plans. Um, asking for like assisting them with like there's a lot a lot, I mean I have it in my I use Trello. So when we have our property management meetings, I have a lot of notes in there for the property manager. And I have a couple links you know just anyway, point is to answer your question, not get too much down a rabbit hole. Um, as far as the moratoriums, you know during the time when it was happening, we were very proactive and so we really didn't have a vacancy problem um, or a, a bad debt problem. And that was really, um, I think, because of our proactivity and then, you know, he, he, taking care of residents, you know, and not being 100 percent focused on you know getting new ones at the time, just taking care of who we had. But then um, now that we've had our like third set, I guess, um, now some of them are starting to be a little more aggressive because they think that this is just like a thing and they might as well try it, you know. And so, again, we've been very, you know, with the newest one that's out right now, um, you know, supposedly Biden extended it again. And so I haven't seen the newest, newest one, but the one that in this month, January. I mean, if you just read it, I mean, it doesn't say that they don't have to pay rent. It doesn't say that they don't owe rent. It says 100% they owe rent. 100% they can be uh, evicted. 100% they owe fees. Uh, Everything is still due. I've been paying my rent. I rent a house, and then like, why? Why does that make you exempt? You know, Um, I've had issues. You know, I also have a real estate brokerage, and we used to partner with a fund. We had like 50 listings coming, lost them all whenever this all started happening. And so, do the math. You know, I've lost income too. Don't get me wrong. So, but I still have taken care of where I live, or I've come up with a creative solution. And so so, the point is, is uh, the moratoriums, depending on, I guess, how much proactivity you want to have, we've decided to tell the residents, you know, honestly, unless you can give us some kind of proof of the fact that you've lost your job because of COVID, you have COVID and you can't do anything, and then we'll still just work with you. But we have all these programs. Yeah, there's tons out there where most of the residents have kind of said, okay, I'm going to go for this first. And then the community program will, will pay for the rent. Uh, So it's been okay. But again, we live in landlord friendly, tax friendly, business friendly states Uh, Arizona, so Phoenix, um, Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston. So we've been okay. I've got friends that are in other states that are not doing as well because, I guess, of the tolerance of the leadership in that um, government or that state of what they think is okay and what they think is not. Um, we've, We've been okay. But like I said, the worst is yet to come.
0: Yeah, I think that's, it's pretty important for passive investors to understand, you know, as long as you're deal, you know, you partner with a, a good sponsor, who's doing the communication, you know, doing that upfront stuff to make sure that these things are taken care of. I think that's, that's, that's huge for them. Um the
2: big thing for that sponsor would be like, I was, I squirreled, but like I mentioned, all these resources that I, I look at them weekly. I look at national moratorium laws, uh, how's the national recollection collection going, like national trends and it, cause it's updated like all the time um, to be able to try to be ahead of some things. And then obviously to physically be at our properties regularly to see what do we actually see?
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of
2: sense. Like reading and, and you know <laughs> not putting their head in the sand.
0: Right. Absolutely. Being proactive. Right. I think that's a, that's a huge, uh, uh, especially right now. Um, I want to transition a bit. I want to talk about your current focus, which is changing the face of multifamily and bringing more women into the sector. Talk to us a bit more about that and how you're making this happen.
2: So in three different ways. So uh, as a active sponsorship team. Um, I'm taking on women uh, who have, like we did in this last deal in December, who have 1031 exchanges. Uh, my partner, Dipali, she came from Seattle. So they had, a, I think, a fourplex that they uh, exchanged out of. And I feel like that's a very quick way for a woman to move from uh, a house or a smaller multifamily and get into a large multifamily deal. Uh, these are the assets that keep performing during recessions. Um, so it's definitely a safer place to put your money than um, in single family. So uh, that's been one way that we can... We have an exchange program. Um, And then also not just uh, as active sponsors, um, but also limited partners. And another way that we're also able to bring in more limited partners um, is to educate more women on how cash flowing assets work, um, how the documentation as an investor works, and also in the beginning, the mindset portion of it. Because I mean, even now, I still have that little girl or guy in my head that's like, you're too young, you're not smart enough, uh, you don't know enough, whatever... Um, that, that wants to hold you back, but I just kind of give it the middle finger and move forward and ask people that have been through what I'm about to go through instead of you know, letting fear control me. So there's many pieces to getting involved with being, becoming a she-vester, as we call uh, women that are getting involved with us. And then we have a fund that's launching as well where the minimum investment um, is going to be lower than the typical fund is um, and some other things. So um, education, opportunities, and then also the ability to lead um, teams of women and become empowered financially.
1: You, you brought up a lot of good points. there. I just want to like hover around something um, that I was kind of curious about, you know, uh, just as far as like the education and, you know, the learning process goes and bringing up, you know, these women and, and kind of maybe flipping this on its head a little bit, looking from a different angle. Are there some common things or, or like maybe mistakes that you're seeing that you think could be maybe weakening their position or reducing their power?
2: Oh yeah, I mean, women all the time. We do. I'm gonna to try to remember. The, I do talks on this all the time. and try to remember. There's three things that we do that reduce our power. Uh, we over sorry. We say sorry, 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 like literally for being in the way of someone in the store. And like you're not sorry. You didn't a man will say I'm sorry when they believe they actually did something wrong? You know, typically. So we're not saying I'm sorry. I have a blue T-shirt on today, or I'm sorry that I it was late calling you. Um, so you, you're having to wait for somebody else to forgive you. That takes away your power. Um, and then we we use self-deprecating comments all the time. So we're always, you know, someone gives you a compliment and we're like, oh my God, I got that at Ross or, oh, you know, thank you. Just say freaking thank you. And then, uh, we overshare. That's the third thing. Got it. So the third thing that we do is we overshare. So for example, and I'm guilty of this too. That's what I'm working on in an email, for example, or in a text message, or even in a conversation, uh, somebody will talk about something and, um, your response will be Blah did blah because of this, and then this happened, and then and then, like I have to actually explain like why it happened and who did whatever like you don't owe anyone a freaking explanation. Literally, just get the point across and move on um, because usually oversharing confuses the person. It also sometimes will incriminate yourself against a lot of information that wasn't necessary to do whatever you're trying to do. And then um, you can get things done faster if you're just more to the point. And so you know, having more power of being to the point and direct. You know, some, some people choose to take that in an interesting way, which is a, it's a, it's a gendered thing. That's uh, something we've all learned from former generations. Um, but women being more direct, um, eventually will be accepted as being normal. You know, will also be called a go-getter, you know, uh, add, a girl, uh, you know, a leader, etc. So those are things that women do for sure that take away our power.
1: Pretty important. Uh, yeah, I see that. I see that a lot sometimes <laughs> like, yeah, there's literally no reason for you to say sorry, unless you actually think you're guilty. Otherwise, you're just muddying us up. We're literally squirreling this whole subject because you got to give me the rundown. Completely unnecessary. It's fine.
2: I'll <laughs> so, walk into a meeting late and say thank you for your patience.
1: Exactly. I, I always do that. I kind of it's I feel like it's a little more I don't even know the word for it, but without even admitting guilt, it's like, yeah, thank you for literally, thank you for being patient. Yeah.
2: You acknowledge kind of what's up. Cause it's like, Hey, it's not that I'm unaware, but thank you for being awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, so for our female listeners out there, do you have any resources that you would steer them toward for maybe helping empower themselves? And then also, you know, you talked a little bit about passive investing and getting in real estate resources for that as well.
2: Oh my God. So as far as like mindset and getting involved, um, I have a podcast where I actually spoke with uh, Sarah LeChevre. Uh, We do a little bit of the talk about negotiating, but uh, Sarah and uh, Linda Babcock actually wrote a book that is one of my favorites. It's called Women Don't Ask. And then they have a second book that's called Ask For It. So it explains in the first book, all these kind of things that I'm going through or talking about right now, but into much scientific detail because um, Linda Uh, Or Miss Babcock, she's actually a professor at Carnegie Mellon, and so all the data behind all of what they're saying is is in the book, which is awesome because I'm a data driven person and I want to see that someone's not just saying something. There's actually studies done behind it, Um, so that's kind of explaining where we get our programming from, how even our toys are gendered. I mean, everything, and so we're very stuck in our societal ways of doing things, and so women we hold ourselves back really is what's happening. But then um, ask for it is how to ask for it because that's the big thing is. Uh, if you want anything, you're never going to get it if you don't ask 100% of the time, 100% of the time. So just freaking ask. So men, men are so good at that. Men are also very good at like saying, I'm good at this. And so women are like, Oh, I'm okay, or, or whatever. So you got to read those two. And then when it comes to passive investing, I think a good starting point would be The Perfect Investment um, by Paul Moore. And that one is a book that's like not too big. It's It's good to start. And it gives you a perspective of Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, multifamily, single family—like a whole, the whole gamut—to figure out, you know, how it really works in comparison. And it's not biased. And then, I guess, if you're interested in finding out more about being being active, I would uh, actually look at. Um, and then you'd go, you'd probably barf because it's like this thick. Um, it's uh, best ever syndication book by Joe oh, Fair. Yeah. Uh, and then even once you look at that book and you read it, and you at least get a snapshot of how the whole thing kind of works. Then when you actually start syndicating and getting into like reality of how the the market works, brokers work, all this stuff, it's 180% a different way. So at least you have the basics. But um, yeah, point is, is those are two good places to start if you're wanting to invest in multifamily, I think.
0: I think it's some great stuff. And we'll definitely have to make sure to link to that, all that in show notes. And I have to say, uh, I think Joe Fairless's book was one of the first that we read uh, as passive investors, you know, just because we wanted to learn a little bit more about what's going on because, you know. Yeah. 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 So that was one of the, the first ones we read. Like I said, it was, it's a pretty big book in depth for sure, but that's what you need really, if you want to understand this. So I think that's a, that's a great reference for sure. Okay. You know, considering Chris and I are just two dudes who are all in on real estate investing, you know, I'm curious, what can we or our listeners do to support this goal of changing the face of multifamily?
2: Yeah. So we're looking to create 1 billion investors by 2030. So we only have 10 years, nine years to do it. Um, And really, uh, the way that we're doing it right this moment is by um, empowering women to understand about multifamily investing. Um, So what we're doing as far as, for example, the fund that we have coming out or any investment is that when men want to invest as a limited partner, uh, our sponsorship team are, are females, but men can obviously invest. But we just have them take a pledge if they believe in our cause and what we're doing to pledge. And they have to put the woman's name on the piece of paper that they're teaching, the pros and cons and what they're doing, why they're doing it. I had a call with a guy the other day. He's got five girls. Like if that means that he can create five through one person. Like that's amazing. So and he's like, I'm so excited. I want to know that they have a legacy, and then they know what to do with it. You know. Anyway, so that's kind of how uh, the men that involved get involved with uh, our fund or our investments can help so many other women. Their you know their wives or even so they one has asked, Hey, I've got a kid who's like four. How can I do that? I'm like, well, it's simple. Open up a trust and have it in their name, so they're the beneficiary. And then, I mean, it may be a little bit over their head, but at least, uh, over time they'll, they'll understand this is where that money is coming from. And maybe over time, you'll be able to teach them as they take their, their returns, uh, where to go invest their returns. I mean, I've got a woman that's got uh, five kids as well, boys and girls, but I mean, they're all early twenties or are late teens and they, they invest in multifamily. Like wow. there's no reason why you can't, if you understand it and you have the guide of a parent, you know? So, um, and that makes me really proud to have that going on out there because, uh, that was something I didn't have exposure to at all in my life. And imagine what, what I would be like if I started earlier, you know,
0: I think that's huge, you know, and I think you're absolutely spot on with what you're saying, you know, having that at such a young age is massive and most people don't do that. Right. That's, that's pretty common to not have that happen in your life. Yeah. So I think that's pretty amazing that you're providing that opportunity. It's, it's pretty spectacular, but you know,
2: Also, you know, if someone um, doesn't want to spend the time to explain that, at least a starting point, uh, my YouTube channel, we have a lot of information about everyone that's involved in multifamily, what they do, how it works. And then I'm also creating an app called SheVest and it is not live yet on the app store, but it should be in the next two weeks or so. And it's just beta. So it's not, not awesome yet, but really what's in there right now is a lot of interviews that I've done with women on every cash flowing asset that's in um, commercial real estate and explaining the pros and cons of that. Again, looking at documents, uh, that are, you know, 150 pages worth of stuff and, uh, working on your mindset as well. And you can do that from a convenient, uh, from your phone, you know, you don't, you don't have to dress up and go meet anybody. So that's also the point is to lower the barrier to entry that it doesn't have to be that you have to find a sitter for your kids to be an investor. Not at all.
0: I think it's awesome. Yeah. That's uh, that's pretty fantastic. You know, Hey, this has been a great conversation. We've really enjoyed getting to learn more about you and your story. But before we get out of here, we want to take some time and shine the spotlight on you. And I know we've, d- we've gone over a lot uh, in the quick time we've had here, but tell us what you have going on. Anything else?
2: So just right now, like I kind of mentioned a couple of times, we have a fund coming out um, and it's, it's for women. It's women focused. Uh, it'll be investing in C-class multifamily uh, workforce housing. So what I already have experience with, nothing, nothing new, nothing's going to change there. Um, Like I mentioned, we have the SheVest app coming out in a couple of weeks, which would be great if people wanted to show it to their family members and really get some more data running through it. Because the more people that poke around on there and and don't use certain features, that's going to show us very quickly what we need to improve and do better at and delete, you know, from it and and make it uh, better for our users. And then also, I guess, if you're wanting to get to know more about us uh, or even if you want to learn how to underwrite, uh, go just check out my website, www.theapartmentqueen.com. Uh, We have access to uh, a mini course to learn how to underwrite if that's the direction you're going, or if you want to learn more about um, how we do what we do, there are also, there's a link to the YouTube um, channel to go check out uh, more videos.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I I already know a few uh, female investors who want to look into that for sure. So we'll make sure to direct them to you. Absolutely. And uh, we'll make sure to put all the links to all that stuff in the show notes. So if anybody wants to go check that out and get a hold of you, they'll be able to do that. So, um, you know, Kaylee, it's been, it's been great having you on the show. Uh, we really appreciate you talking with us and we look forward to speaking with you again.
2: Thank you for your help in my mission. I'll see you guys soon.
0: Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. Head over to iTunes to subscribe to the show. And while you're there, we really appreciate you leaving a rating and written review. If you have any questions or topics you'd like to hear on the show, connect with us on social media or through our website at twosmartassets.com. We look forward to speaking to each and every one of you. Talk to you soon.